We need to treat ourselves like our own best teammate or our own best friend, right? If we can talk to ourselves like we would talk to our teammate, that's also going to help kind of keep us elevated and not not get so down on ourselves. That was Dr. Lauren Gallagher, school psychologist and mental fitness coach, talking about positive self-talk. And we are Julianne Dietz and Elizabeth Dietz. We want to welcome you to the She Dreams and Goals podcast, where soccer dreams come alive and goals are just the beginning. This podcast is all about empowering girls to use their passion for soccer as fuel for on-field success and a lifetime of wellness. In each episode, we'll talk to stars from the NWSL, health experts, and performance coaches to unlock their secrets to success and discover what it takes to be the healthiest soccer players and people we can be. In this episode, we explore how building and maintaining self-confidence on the field and in life can help you reach all your goals. This week, we are also offering a bonus episode on mental health. It is a must-listen, so please check it out after this episode on confidence. Lauren Gallagher is a school psychologist, mental fitness coach, public speaker, and children's author who is passionate about building resilience in today's youth. She is the recipient of the 2020 Psychologist of the Year Award presented by the New York Association of School Psychologists. Lauren holds a PhD in school psychology from Columbia University. She has 18 years of experience coaching youth soccer and is a former D1 college player and graduate of Cornell University. She is co-author of the children's book, The Hard Hat for Kids, with author and speaker John Gordon. Lauren currently works as a school psychologist in the Harborfield School District, where she also works closely with the athletic department as one of the district's social-emotional learning coordinators. She is the mental fitness director at Long Island Soccer Club and has a private mental fitness coaching practice working with student-athletes of all ages. I could honestly geek out with Lauren for hours on how to be a healthy female soccer player and teenager. So for me, this episode was so much fun, but don't take my word for it. Elizabeth, what did you think? Lauren had some really great tips on building confidence as a player and also with my team. I've already used some of her advice. She was also so easy to talk to and made the interview really fun. All right, so whether you still pack a soccer bag full of shin guards and a ball or the weekly carpool full of fierce young female soccer players, I hope you'll join us each week to explore how we can achieve our dreams both on and off the field. Elizabeth, kick us off. Welcome to the She Dreams and Goals podcast. And then we went to overtime. No <gasps> one scored. Second overtime, no one scored. And then we went to PK. PK's quick shooter, and we won. Yeah. That's yeah. really exciting. It yeah. was so exciting. And it was I, long. Yeah, luckily there are 11 because they had to play two straight games in a row plus the overtime. Because yeah, we had one. We had like it was 10 really minutes weird. in between our games. Yeah, type, they. They had, like, the last game of the round robin, and then they had to play the finals. Oh, wow. Ten minutes after, so they were you, tired. You better puppies. get to bed early tonight and mm-hmm. let your body reset. Luckily, we're on fall break. Oh, and so nice. she has a day off tomorrow. Okay, cool. Full recovery, so that's good, good practice. Yeah, well, maybe your coach will let you have a, have a Oh, I think day. you've earned a day of rest. Yeah. Me and Amber. Yeah, just go to stretch, say hi to everyone, just chill. Okay, ready? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lauren. We're so happy to have you. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here talking about some of my favorite topics. We always like to start the podcast with the same question. Where did it all begin for you with soccer? Where did it begin? Well, I think it began in first grade. When I was six years old, I fit my parents moved to Long Island from Queens and they signed me up for this sport called soccer. They had no idea what it was. And I actually remember talking to some kids at the bus stop and explaining that I was going to play this sport, that I was going to um, hit balls over a net, over a net, like <laughs> with no hands, thinking it was like volleyball. So I actually had no idea what soccer was. So I've never heard that before. (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember this moment sitting there and telling them and I had this vision of what it was, but it wasn't that. So I had (laughs) to learn. So it really started in first grade. And then I played for a few years and then I joined my club team in fourth grade that I stayed with 
through high school and even after college. Wow, that's amazing. You don't hear that as often. Yeah. Not at all these days. That's really cool. And you played in college, correct? I did. I played at Cornell way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But it was a great experience, so much fun. And I'm actually still very involved with the team now as an alumni. Oh, that's really nice. I know Elizabeth had a question to you about your current role. Okay. <laughs> Why did you decide to become a psychologist and did soccer play a role? That's a good question. I became a psychologist because I am actually a very curious person. So I like to learn a lot of different things. And I love working with kids. And so I I started out as a teacher. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I started teaching in New York City. And I taught high school there. And I was really interested in working with the kids. But I decided I liked really working with them more one-on-one or in small groups, helping them kind of figure out problems that they had. So I decided not to become a teacher, but I found I could become a psychologist, which meant I could still work in schools, which I loved, but I could work more with individual students or in small groups, working with them to help them solve problems. What does that sound like? A counselor, your job. Yeah, so it's kind of similar, a little bit different take, but very similar, right? I work with high school students to help them solve problems. Yeah. Yep, in a high school. And work in a school. Yep, and I work in a school. So we actually have a lot in common. Uh, we're both former D1 play- soccer players. We're both Long Island girls, which I think is a special thing. We bur- both work in mental health with high school students. Um, we both went to the same grad school in New York City. I thought that was a really fun coincidence. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, yeah. So even though we never met in person, uh, I wasn't surprised that we were really on the same page with a lot of things when we had uh, a nice phone call to talk about what youth soccer is really like and what um, is going on for female, young female soccer players and what our dreams are for them. It's all exciting stuff. And I think so much of what both of us do relates to so many of the lessons that we learn playing soccer. Yeah, totally. I think it's nice to draw on the experiences that we had as players and as teens and as young female soccer players, but then also kind of working in with high school students and seeing that development and that perspective, it's really also really interesting to see. And so when we chatted, we kind of talked about what do we think are the two most important things that we would like young female soccer players to think about. And one of the things we said was confidence, Mm -hmm. um, working on building confidence as an individual player and also with their teammates. And then also just mental health is so incredibly important. Mental health has been a challenge for adolescents, really all people currently, and we thought it would be a really good idea to talk about that as well. So today we're going to do kind of a double feature podcast. We're going to talk about confidence first, and then we're going to do a bonus feature and talk about mental health for young female soccer players. I think that sounds great. Yeah. So before I ask Lauren for her expert advice, Elizabeth, what do you think? Why do you think confidence is important for young players? I think confidence helps you succeed because it gives you a lot of positive energy. And if you aren't confident, you can get injured and you won't be the best player you can be. And if you don't think you can do it, you won't be able to do it. So you feel like the positive energy that comes with confidence and also if you don't believe you can do something, you won't be able to do it. Yeah, and you can get hurt if you back out or doubt yourself. Yeah, Lauren, what do you think about that? I think you hit upon two very important elements of confidence, and that is energy, right? The most important thing for a soccer player is to have energy. You know what it's like. You have to run around for how many minutes on the field. So protecting our energy and making sure we have enough energy is really important. And confidence, you're very right about that. It produces positive energy in us. So it actually energizes us and allows us to kind of keep going and to do things that are hard. And the other thing you hit upon, what was the second thing you said? You said confident, uh, you said energy and, oh, and your attitude, right? Right. And attitude is the other really important thing. I think you said, you said it best. If you think you can do something, you probably can. And if you don't think you can do something, you probably can't. So 
what we think is really important in developing confidence. And between the thinking part and the energy part, I think you hit upon two really important elements of confidence. I think you could be probably a sports psychologist soon. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Maybe at the end of the podcast. Um, And I think that sometimes with soccer, we work a lot on our skills and our tactics and our technique, but the mental side of our performance is so incredibly important for our success. And I think as former players, we both can say that the the skills that we learn, the, the mental skills that we learn in soccer can help support us in the rest of our lives. And that also sometimes the bad habits that we maybe form while playing a sport can have a negative impact on our lives. So it's really important to kind of pay attention to it while we're being mindful of our confidence and how we think while we're playing or while we're training or, you know, related to sports. So I was curious, as a player, before we ask about your perspective now working with student-athletes, but as a player, did confidence play a role for you? Do you remember? I think so. I think, um, you know, confidence as a person, I think there's two different types of confidence. There's confidence you have as a person, which I think Mm -hmm. is really important. And then there's something that I call situational confidence, which is like you're on the field and whether or not you feel like you can do something, a certain maybe move you want to make or a certain skill. But having confidence as a person really means that you believe in yourself enough that there's going to be ups and downs, but you trust that you'll be able to get through all of that. And I think that's the important type of confidence to develop because there's always going to be setbacks. There's going to be mistakes. Mm -hmm. There's going to be failures, things you have to deal with. And if you can do that, if you can do that with a belief in yourself that, oh, even though I didn't make this team, I'm going to keep working and I know that it's going to be okay and that eventually I'll get to where I'm supposed to be, that is huge because that allows us to be perseverant, which means we get to keep, we keep going because that's the most important thing as a player and a person, right? We just have to be able to keep going. If we let something stop us, then we'll never know if we could have done that thing. Yeah, that's so true because I think sometimes when you look at a um, a team and you, and you look at maybe the person that has the best skills or maybe they're the best player on the team, especially when they're young, they might not necessarily have the most confidence. And sometimes when they then go play at the next level, they really struggle because they were always the best. But rather someone that had to you know, overcome some challenge or challenges or maybe was the weakest player or a middle-of-the-road type of player, a slower developer, they've kind of build, built these skills and this confidence in a difficult situation, and they may be able to use that, and they actually might be the most confident player on the team. I think you're absolutely right. I think with confidence, if with building confidence, you really have to build resilience because I think resilience is what you were talking about there, being mm-hmm. able to bounce back from a situation. And it's only through doing that time and time again that we actually learn to trust ourselves, that we can overcome you know, obstacles and things that get in our way. Um, so I think that's really important. Building resilience is such an important part of building that confidence as a person. So if all mistakes, if you never make any mistakes and you never have any challenges, if that doesn't happen until much later in life, once you are presented with a challenge, you're not going to know what to do because that's how we learn. We learn from having to to overcome those obstacles. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Do you, have you ever heard of the word resilience before? Okay, you probably talk about it at school. We have last year. We had to. We talked about it eight, ten times a year. Ten times. It usually used the word probably growth mindset too, yeah, right? Yeah, but it was during PE, so I didn't really. Uh, during I, PE, I wanted to do PE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and can you think of something that you were resilient or something today that? didn't go well the first time, but went well at the second time when you needed it the most. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. okay. Tell Lauren what it was. So I had a PK in my first game today, Mm -hmm. and I shot it right to the goalie. But then when I was in the PK shootout, I asked if I could do it again, and I made my PK. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that you were brave enough, right, to ask to do it again. You did not let the fact that you missed it the first time stop you from trying the second time. That is resilience. Good job. That is amazing, Elizabeth. That's what we want. We don't want to be afraid of making mistakes, right? We just want to keep learning and trying and being patient with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was job. Yeah. I was super proud of you that you stepped and she actually stepped up for another penalty kick too during the game because she she's a striker, so she she was getting uh fouled in the box a couple times. I I had um today I call well I got um I got fouled twice for a PK. Um in my first game I should have been called three times, (laughs) but they fouled me in the box, but the ref thought it was outside the box, even though it was a foot inside, like three feet inside of the box. And then one he didn't call. Yeah. So she had lots of opportunity for being resilient. And that's the thing I love about sport is that there's like a fun way to overcome, you know, what we would say failure or really just like a difficulty, right? Yeah. Fail- there's really no such thing as failure. That's something that like we human beings just made up. It's not really anything that's true. It's just a challenging situation, like you said. Absolutely. I mean, we love to watch like the professional games. We went to a professional game last night because we're really fortunate that we have professional teams like 10 minutes from our house. And we watched and like they, they, one of the players missed a penalty shot, right? One of the players missed a penalty shot. Like they miss shots. They make bad passes all of the time. It was funny after you missed one of our players like jumped up and chest bumped. Yeah, I don't recommend. I don't <laughs> recommend that. I don't recommend that. Not all of their choices are the best, but uh, yeah. But I, I think that the nice thing about sport is that it's an opportunity to have a disappointment or not um, reach your peak performance or the success that you're hoping for, but get to try again. And it's such nice practice, I think, to go on for life. Um, can you speak a little bit to kind of the skills that you learn, the resiliency that you learn as a player and how it can impact you, you know, in school, in life, even going into adulthood? Well, I think life just always throws you curveballs, mm-hmm. right? There's always ups and downs in life. There's never, almost never going to be just a smooth path. So I think the resilience that I learned, how to how to cope with disappointment, how to cope with times that I, you know, didn't get as much playing time as I wanted, injuries, being able to be patient with myself and have to really rehab and 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 kind of work on something really hard, a skill. They're all things we use in life, right? When we are, you know, when we're moving forward, because someday we might not be soccer players anymore and we're going to be people, life throws us the same kind of challenges and we just have to apply what we've learned as athletes. You you were talking before about a growth mindset and understanding that none of us are perfect and that we can trust ourselves to just keep going, right? And find solutions to things. And if that doesn't work, we pivot and we try again. We try something else. So I think all of those lessons are ones that we can really use in 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 the classroom, in life, in anything else we do. Yeah, and I see that so much. I think this age group is such a great age to start practicing that. You know, whether it's a school project um, that you're doing, like a group project, sometimes that's really challenging, right? Liz, like yeah. you've had group projects that have been really challenging, and then you try like a new strategy the next time you have a group project yeah. to like – kind of decide with your partner and not leave it to the end and different things like yeah, that, right? definitely. What about with your PK today? Did you have a different strategy for the second one as opposed to the first one? Uh, yes. Um, well, sort of. Like, I went the other direction, but that was just, like, a last-minute choice. When I was running up to the ball, I kind of just did it. Okay. But usually I go to the other side, but I just went for that side. I don't know. You just decided to mix it up. I was just up. like running up to the ball and my foot just went that way. So Yeah. Okay. You just decided so let me to ask you up. something about that. What made you decide that you wanted to take the second one? Well, I had already this year I've made three PKs and I've missed two and that was my third one. So I kind of just wanted to have more made PKs than missed PKs. 
And also, I wanted to redeem myself. And it's, um, I've only ever had two PK shootouts. And it's more nerve-wracking when you're not shooting than when you are shooting. So it sounds like, like you you're can... someone that really likes challenges, right? You yes. see a challenge as like an opportunity to, to do something, right? And yes. I heard you say also that when you were thinking about taking that second PK, you also were remembering some other PKs that you made. So you were drawing upon the experience that you had and the success that you had that made you feel like, I want to do this again and I want to make it this time. Yeah. That's amazing. Good for you. I think you are, your confidence is building. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So are there any specific challenges that young female soccer players might face when it comes to building and maintaining confidence? I think there's a lot of challenges. I think um, some of the challenges are that some of them are brought about by parents sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes parents get too involved and don't allow um, things to just unfold, allow allow their own kids to solve problems for themselves. Mm -hmm. They kind of want to make everything okay because they don't want their child to be upset. So when, when kids don't get a chance to practice problem solving and doing things for themselves, they don't build that confidence, that confidence muscle. So mm -hmm. sometimes we have to kind of be willing to be uncomfortable and, and try new things and problem solve for ourselves. I think the other obstacle that's out there is sometimes we allow other people to other people's opinions of us mm -hmm. or things that people say to us dictate how we feel about ourselves. So I think it's a great attribute to learn to accept feedback, which is information someone might give us about how we can improve. But if someone has something really not nice to say or they don't say it in a nice way, I don't think, or someone says to us, you can't do that. We have a choice about whether we're going to believe that or not. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes kids think we need to believe everything that, that adults say and that's actually not the truth. If that's not fitting with how you believe, then you have to be, you have to almost take charge and just say to yourself, well, I'm not going to believe that and I'm going to keep working until I can achieve it. So, but we have to be careful because sometimes it's hard. It's hard when other people say things and it influences us and it hurts our feelings maybe. But that's where we have to really be strong enough to believe in ourselves and not let what other people say kind of like permeate or into us, right? Like we can't let it sink in. You almost have to pretend you're wearing a rain jacket. And if someone's not going to believe in us, it's like rain that just kind of falls on the jacket and just wipes away because you can't let that affect how you believe in yourself. I like that. I always say my son has duck feathers and that just means that he, when, you know, hard things happen, he, and I'm sure it seeps in sometimes, but you know, it just rolls off of his feathers. It doesn't stick to him. And I think there's a balance, right? Because you want to listen to your coach and you want mm -hmm. to learn, but you have to really think about how it impacts you. And also when there's adults sometimes, and I feel like the teams that Elizabeth has played on the girls have been incredibly supportive of each other. And I love that about them. They're just wonderful young women. And I do feel like the parents are kind to each other too. But I do hear sometimes whether it's the other parents on the other mm -hmm. team yelling things that I feel like can impact the kids. Even we went to some high school playoff games and I could hear the other team's parents. And I'm sure the parents on, you know, both teams were doing it. Just, you know, saying some negative stuff that I think because I work with the high school kids, like I felt so sensitive for the kids because I'm like, oh, they're kids. You know, mm -hmm. that can be really hard. So I wonder for young kids too, like being able to focus in the moment on the game. I think as adults, we should, you know, try to be positive as much as possible. Yeah, I think my team pretty positive. Like when we were in the PK shootout and the other team, like, when someone our team missed, we were like, it's okay. When she started crying after the game, we were trying to make her stop and, like, putting her up. But um, at the end of the – when the other person for the other team missed, the girls, like, went to the floor. I was like, 
banging the floor from the other team and we not really like we were celebrating giving her high fives after she missed she kind of just walked down back sad she felt sad you you noticed the difference depending yeah. on for what... our team we were like when she missed high fiving her hugging her but they were kind of just like ignoring her after. Mm. And that's the beauty of a team right if you're really there to encourage each other you kind of help each other through those mistakes And that can be really helpful in helping us build confidence, right? It makes us realize, okay, mistakes aren't something we have to be afraid of because my teammates are going to support me. They're just going to encourage me and help me keep going. And so that creates an environment where kids are more able to take risks. And and even if they do make a mistake, because that's how we learn. You have to take risks to, to actually learn new things. So if you have a team that's very supportive, I think that's wonderful. But you need you need that to help you keep going. So I had, this is, this is great, this conversation. I had two thoughts just related to this. And one, it was, do you feel like being someone that builds up other people's confidence can help your own confidence building? Absolutely. They show the research on gratitude, which is, you know, being thankful for something is actually that when we receive good information or gratitude from someone, it it actually helps us, but it actually helps the other person who gives gratitude. So I think gratitude is also very similar to positive encouragement, right? When we help other people, when we, when we, when we care for them, when we do things, it lifts us up as well. So in terms of our own mental health, which I know we're talking about later, but it also, it's, it's actually a great way to make ourselves feel better. Taking care of our teammates and those around us by doing those simple little things of just saying like, great job, don't worry about it next time. It lifts them up, but it also lifts us up, which means you're elevating everyone around you, which is what you want a team to do, right? We want a team to elevate ourselves to the highest possible place. So when we all kind of do our little parts, it actually sparks like these this energy, right? That positive energy that Elizabeth was talking about when in terms of confidence. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think when a whole team has positive en- energy, and I've been on different teams, and even you know you could play um, like when you play high school or you play college, and your team shifts a little bit every year because people graduate and you have new players, and so you can see how certain players sometimes like elevate the positivity. Mm-hmm. so much or you have different coaches with the same players like when we played ODP back in the day and you'd have like a different coach every year but it would be the mm-hmm. same group of people and how the positivity on your team as that changes it can really change everyone's mindset and I know that if you can be kind to other players on the team then you're more likely to be kind to yourself Ah, oh, that's a very good point Yes. Yeah. So if you're like hugging your friend who missed a PK, because one of the other girls missed during the game, another PK. Yeah, not just me. Uh, yeah. And like, if you can be positive to them and say, don't worry about it. You know, it happens. It's a hard, you know, it's a hard shot. Mm-hmm. Then I think you can also be positive with yourself. If you miss a PK, you have to be as kind to yourself as you are to the other people that you're playing with. Yeah. It's funny, though, some people have a really difficult time being kind to themselves. They can be kind to others. And then when it comes to themselves, sometimes the way they talk to themselves or they have thoughts about themselves. So I think that's a really important thing to be aware of is how we're talking to ourselves. And I think what you said is so true. We need to treat ourselves like our own best teammate or our own best friend, right? If we can talk to ourselves like we would talk to our teammate, that's also going to help kind of keep us elevated and not not get so down on ourselves. Yeah, and I think as coaches and parents, we can see on the field when a player kind of has that, we call it positive self-talk versus mm-hmm. negative self-talk. And you can see it when a player has positive self-talk, when they like hold themselves up high and they p- pick their head up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes they even smile out on the field, even when they're struggling, even when another team is better than them. And then you can see people that are struggling with positive self-talk when they're kind of looking down when they make a mistake or they look really frustrated or sad. And it's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to, you know, be frustrated if you make a mistake. But it's kind of like, where you go from that? You know, how right. long do you keep your head down? Do you pull it back up and you say, okay, I'm going to do it better the next time? 
It's not thinking, oh, I'm the best player ever. You know, (laughs) I don't make any mistakes because we all make mistakes out there. I mean, we just watched the Women's World Cup, right? They missed a ton of penalty kicks, Mm -hmm. right? And if they're the best players in the world are missing in the biggest, you know, show in women's soccer, then it's okay for kids to miss penalty kicks too, or or whatever it is, passing the ball out of bounds sometimes, or getting a handball, or missing a tackle. Yeah. Like all those things happen, but it's not just saying, oh, that's okay, it doesn't matter, but saying, okay, well, what can I change? What can I do to improve the next time that I do that? Right. It's a learning to kind of manage those feelings and as quickly as we can rebound from those feelings, right? Because when we're in the middle of a game, if we stay thinking about that mistake and we stay with our head down, we've kind of taken ourselves out of the game and now our team is down by one player. As quickly as we can kind of recover and then get our get ourselves back in the game. But I think you're right. It comes from an acceptance that we have to realize we're all going to make mistakes. So having a plan for when you make a mistake and helping you, because we said even the professional players, right? They make mistakes, but they actually recover from them so quickly. Sometimes you don't even realize. So the, the quicker you can recover from a mistake, sometimes you can just make up for it. So I think that's a skill that everybody can work on. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember what Paige Monahan said she uses to help herself when she makes a mistake? She's one of the professional um, racing players. Oh, yeah. She says, on to the next. That's a common one. Some people say next play, right? Which means you just get yourself back in the game. And that's why something like mindfulness. Elizabeth, have you ever heard of mindfulness? But mindfulness is just being able to be present. Right. So if my mind is if I'm on the field, but my mind is thinking about a mistake, I'm really not fully present. So the, the faster we can get ourselves back into thinking about the game and being present, then we get past our mistake, too. And we're there for our team. Yeah, and soccer happens so fast, and you have to really be mindful to order in order to like have the next play, right? To have a good first touch, to be able to see everything that's happening on the field, because there's not like plays in soccer, right? Mm-hmm. It's dynamic, it's fluid, it's always changing. Yeah. So if, if you're distracted by the last shot that you took, it's going to be really hard to like receive the next pass that you need to receive with like a soft touch and be able to pass it off. Yeah, yeah definitely. So the other thing I was thinking when we were talking about um, just confidence, and you said taking risks, and something that we've talked a little bit about, we don't have that much in the U.S., um, but we experienced when we were living abroad, is just pickup soccer and street soccer and the ability that that allows young players to take risks. And I was wondering if you could talk about risk-taking and how that builds confidence and how you see players can kind of work on that. Well, I I think you're right. Taking risks is something you sometimes have to be brave about. It's easier when you have you're in an environment where your your teammates are kind of supporting you and you have a coach that is encouraging you actually to to take risks because that's how we learn. But in the end, we have to be our we have to be brave and we just have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to make mistakes if we want to improve. That's as simple as that. We never learn anything new if we don't, we have to be able to take risks in order to improve. It's just, there's just no, there's no getting around it. You have to be able to make mistakes. So if we just go through life always knowing what, and we're doing it right, that's fine. But if you want to get to the next level, you have to be willing to kind of dive in, make a mistake, and then and then move on from it, right? And learn from it. Like we said, there's times where you're you're you know you're going to have to like okay, you know, think about your mistake at after the game, right? You can't you can't think about it during the game, but after the game, you know, you can kind of look back and go, what could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. But that truly is the only way we learn. I think at this age group, something that's a good example, or with the younger age groups, it's like taking the chance to use your weaker foot. You know, if you don't Mm -hmm. practice it, and it's so, you know, in the beginning, it's so bad. And it's like, you don't get a lot of power, it goes off in all different directions. But just taking the chance and using that weak foot, and then it gets better, and it gets better, and then you trust it more. And then the more you trust it, the better you get. So that would be a really good challenge for this week, just to use your weak foot as much as you possibly can. 
and just notice how it's getting better at the more you use it. Absolutely. That goes, right? That goes for any skill in soccer, but that's a really easy one to start with because we could all, you, you know, spend time working on that foot. There's a great activity that we've done with um, high schoolers where you you make them write their name with their non-dominant hand. Mm-hmm. So it's the same as like using a left foot in soccer, right? And you make them do it like five different times. And the be- the first one is so scribbly and so hard to, and you can see how time and time again with practice and patience, right? It gets better. But those are the two things. It's practice and patience. You have to keep doing those things. You have to do it over and over, even though it's uncomfortable and it doesn't come out good and it doesn't look right. Eventually that left foot or that non-dominant foot is is going to start having the same power as your dominant foot, but you need to practice it. That's, it's so true. No way around it. It's so true. You got to practice it. So when I was about Elizabeth's age, I hurt my right foot. And so I was only really using my left foot because I was nervous to use my right foot. And, and I'm a, I'm a right footed player. Mm-hmm. So my left foot got so much better and I had, and I had so much confidence in it. And so I always thought of myself like, oh, it's fine. I can use either foot. And I actually was doing that activity with the left hand. And I realized that like my left hand's not as bad as like some people's left hand. So I think my confidence was just like, I, I'm a little closer with both sides of my body than probably <laughs> the average. But I was like, oh, this is practice. So I think it was just confidence. Like I just had the confidence, hey, I can do this because I, I got stuck using that left foot. But sometimes you just have to trick yourself into being like, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. yeah. And you have to be intentional about it. I always say being in, being intentional, which is like what you said, maybe for, you know, for this whole practice, I am going to use my left foot whenever I can and not cut it back to use my right. I'm going to use my left and just give it those reps. I love it. But you have to make a decision up here. That's where it starts yep. in your brain. You need to be intentional. Yes. <laughs> you need to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we always start the game with a couple like intentional statements that mm-hmm. Elizabeth likes to, we kind of repeat it back to each other that Elizabeth likes to just, you know, it just helps for confidence a little bit when you go get out there, you've kind of already stated who you are and what you're going to do out there. And then you can just go and play free. Yep. What, so I'm curious, Elizabeth, what are, what are some of those statements that you make? Well, it really depends. She was like, it changes like every game because she says it first. So yeah, but what's the one I always say? I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna have fun. That's really what sports should be about, right? Yeah. I always say yeah. sports are like friends. We don't, they don't have to. We don't have to have them, but they make life so much more fun. Yeah, definitely. That's always that's our first one that we say, and it's the last one that we try to remember to say, right? Sometimes I add funny, silly ones in there, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just before we finish up talking about confidence, Elizabeth had a question, and then I had a few questions for the coaches and parents out there. Sure. What advice would you give to a young female soccer player who may be struggling with self-doubt or lack of confidence? One of the things I have athletes do if they're struggling with confidence is after every game and every practice, have them write down one or two things that they did well that day. Because what happens is our brain naturally goes to the mistakes we made. And that's just our brain being our brain because our brain is there to protect us. So it's something, it it likes to look at anything that could be threatening. And a mistake might be something that's threatening to us. Our brain isn't that smart in that way. It it thinks it's not anything that's life-threatening, but it can make us feel nervous. So when you intentionally, after after a game or a practice, you write down one or two things that you did well, even if you think you had the worst game ever, something that you did well, maybe you communicated with your teammates well, maybe you really worked on recovering from that mistake that you made. We start to retrain our brains to be more balanced. So to not just think about the mistakes, but to also think about the things that we do well. And then we start to get a more balanced view of ourselves, which is probably more realistic. But we have to kind of strengthen the connections in our brain because naturally our brains tend to go toward what we did wrong. And we focus on that. And if we focus on that too long, then we start feeling really bad and we start to feel hopeless. 
So it's up to us to change what we're going to think about and what we're going to pay attention to. So if we if we learn to do that, and it's fine also to look at maybe some of the mistakes you made after the game and say, okay, I'm going to think about this. And now, how could I do that differently? When we learn from our mistakes, that's how that's how we get better. So, but we have to also be intentional. If we're prone to being really negative with ourselves, we have to practice finding the good things that we do because there's got to be something good out there that we did in a whole game, right? Even if you feel like you had the worst game ever, there's definitely some things that you did well. Um, Even if it's just smiling when you're not doing well, you know, or even if it's just supporting your team, even if you're hurt and you're on the sideline, it's like supporting your team when you're injured. Yeah. Someone uh, said to like, write it down in like a journal, what you did good. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that with my teams. We'd sit down after and we kind of all just write one or two things. The other thing that you can do, which you don't even need a pen and paper paper for, is if you're having those negative thoughts that are kind of bringing your confidence down, it's your job to challenge those thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So think about if you were talking to your best friend and you and your friend said, oh, I played the worst game ever. You would think of the times that she did something good and you would remind her of that, right? And you would... So we can do that to ourselves too. We can challenge those negative thoughts because oftentimes they're not true. Thoughts just yeah. come up into our head and we don't we're not always responsible for them. So we have the uh, we have the ability to talk over our thoughts and not accept them as truth. Yeah, I think the important thing is when you look at a game if you're thinking of everything the same way, you're wrong. Right. If you're thinking right. of everything positively, you're wrong. And if you're mm-hmm. thinking of everything negatively, you're wrong. So it's like having that balance, like you right. said. And the cool thing about, especially about young brains, is that you're actually building your brain still. So mm-hmm. if you think positively, it actually builds more positive physical connections in your brain. And so throughout your life, even if you're not playing soccer, even if you're 80 year old grandma, mm-hmm. You'll have all those connections that you built while you were playing sports and you were thinking positively. That's so true. That's we always so have the cool. opportunity to change our brain. It's called neuroplasticity, and it means our brain, we can build our own things, but we have to be intentional. We, it means we have to think about what we're going to feed our brain to create those connections. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a hard word to say. Neuroplasticity? Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. Neuroplasticity. Kind of like plastic. Think about like plastic. Neuroplastic. <laughs> okay, show <sure> you. <laughs> okay, so I had a couple of questions just for because we have a lot of um, athletes that listen to this with their coaches and or with their parents. Mm-hmm. So for any of the parents or coaches out there, you know, how do they help build confidence either with their own children or with their teams? and create a culture of confidence building? Well, I think, first of all, parents parents need to be, they need to manage their own feelings so that they can allow their child to, to do things for themselves. And sometimes as parents, we get really caught up and it's usually only because we love our kids so much and we sometimes mm-hmm. fear that, it, you know, if they make a mistake or they're going to feel uncomfortable, it's it's only out of protection that parents do this. But we have to also be very intentional and manage our own feelings and allow our kids to have their own experience and to allow them to make mistakes and allow them to work through and be able to, you know, advocate for themselves, which means like if they have a problem, you know, maybe with their playing time, instead of mom calling the coach you know, maybe you can go and have a conversation with the coach about something that's that's not going right. And and that can be, you know, you might need some courage and some bravery and maybe you can help, you know, parents can help you role play and practice doing something like that. But helping to build those skills, I think is really important. As a coach, uh, I think it's really important to create a culture which, you know, really buys into that whole growth mindset that I don't expect any of you to be perfect. We're all going to be here. We're going to all make mistakes. And that's how we learn. Um, But again, it's about managing our own feelings. There's times where the coach is out there looking out for the team and maybe wants to win. And so if you don't manage your own feelings, you could get caught up in that, right? Your brain could kind of hijack 
you know, with that feeling of maybe frustration or, you know, competitiveness. So I think it's really important you kind of use your breath, you can manage those feelings, both as a parent and a coach. And, you know, let them play and then, you know, use your, make it constructive feedback if you're a coach. I think if, if you're a parent, I don't think we need to even comment on, on their playing, right? I think, you know, I think the most important thing a, a parent can say is like, I loved watching you play today. I loved watching you and your team play. If a child wants to talk more, they will. But oftentimes, I don't know, maybe Elizabeth can answer this. Are there times where you just don't want to talk about the game after? Or, you know, or do you leave it? Do you want it? Do you want your your parent kind of like asking you questions about how you played? I don't know. I'd be curious to hear. What do you prefer? Does it depend depend on the day or? Yeah, it really depends on the day and how how I think I played. So when do you want to talk about it? I like talking about it when I feel like I did good because then we can talk about what I did good and what I can improve. When I don't do too good, uh, and I know that I didn't do good, um, I don't really want to talk about all the stuff that I did wrong. Okay. So that's important, right? So sometimes you just need some time and space Mm -hmm. to kind of let those feelings go, because you know what you did wrong, right? And you probably know what you, you know, how you want to go about, or you'll think about how you want to improve the next time. But I think it's, I think it's important to let kids have their own experience, and, and let them just play because it's really meant to be something they do for fun and for joy, yeah. right? Like it's, and when you have too much, when it, when a child thinks that maybe a parent's talking about it too much, they know it's important to the parent. And, you know, I think the most important thing parents can do for kids is give them that sense of like unconditional love and acceptance that's not tied to what they do as an athlete. Absolutely. And I think there, I have one piece of advice and then I think one challenge for parents. But when I work with parents, when when I know that parents are having really hard conversations, right? So I work with high school students a lot and there's a lot of hard things that you have to talk about with kids. And I always give the advice of instead of one 60 minute long conversation to do 61 minute long conversations, because I can see it. I mean, sometimes I'll be long winded with my own kids. I, I tend to be better with other people's kids and I can see them glazing over like, oh gosh, mom's like trying to give me all the advice right now and they don't want to hear it. But trying for those, you know, one minute, um, 61 minute conversations about a topic rather than kind of a long dissertation, I think that can be really helpful for kids. Something short and sweet. And then also just you know, as parents and as coaches, we're putting so much time into youth sports. We're putting time and money and it's, we love our kids and we want them to have fun. And sometimes that can just elevate our emotions and it can elevate our emotions towards our own children. It can elevate our emotions towards the ref. It can elevate our emotions towards our team, you know, the team or whatever it's going. And to really just, yeah, like you said, take, you know, breathing exercises, or if you just need to take a break from watching one day, that's totally fine, right? And to just calm your nervous system, calm yourself so that you can just go and enjoy the sport of it rather than feeling like it's so connected to your value or your worth or your love for your kid. Absolutely. I think that's really important. It's that self-awareness. In the end, you have to keep the perspective. It's just a youth soccer game. Right. And as important as it might seem in the whole scheme of life, it's meant for kids to go out there and play for each other and together. And and you, you have to keep that in mind. Um, sometimes I think the the soccer landscape the way it is has made it almost too professional, too fast for kids. And as a result, everyone else thinks it's professional, too. And we have to kind of, like you said, keep in mind that it's still kids playing sports. And and like, can we keep it calm so that they can enjoy themselves out there and not feel the pressure of that? Because there's that emotional contagion when the sidelines get too, yeah. you know, too loud and too frenzied. The players, especially young players, they pick up on that. And it takes away from their experience and their yeah. per- performance often, too. Yeah, I can start to really see it at U12, just the, how the sideline reacts to things really impacts the 
the kids. So I think that's really important. So just to kind of sum it up, and then if you have any questions or if you have anything you want to add, Lauren, just for confidence building, it's important to challenge yourself by doing things that are hard for you and practicing and overcoming that. It's so important to take care of yourself and talk to yourself like you would to your best friend and be positive. It's okay to recognize when you make Mm -hmm. mistakes and want to improve, but also have that positive self-talk that balances out kind of your critical problem-solving mind Mm -hmm. because it actually can change your brain and make your brain more positive and then you'll be more successful. And just to also play free. You know, to have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to play free and have fun and know that you're growing and that the player that you are today is just going to keep improving. That's right. You got a long way to go. And if you want to be in it for the long haul, you have to be patient with yourself too as you're growing. Okay. So Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a a great conversation. And thank you all for listening. Please don't hesitate to go to the show notes and find out more about Lauren and confidence building for young female soccer players. Also, this week we have included an episode about mental health. We are currently dealing with a youth mental health crisis in the U.S., and so I would ask that all the adults, parents, and players take some time to listen to this bonus episode and have conversations about mental health. And remember, if you like what you heard, please follow us, which you can do by visiting shedreamsandgoals.com, follow us on Instagram at shedreamsandgoals, and most importantly, share our podcast with family, friends, and teammates. And until next time, keep playing and keep dreaming. This podcast was prepared by duly authorized members of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. She Dreams and Goals, LLC does not accept liability for any opinions or information of any kind expressed by its guests and hereby makes clear that those opinions do not represent the opinions and or recommendations of She Dreams and Goals, LLC or its members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of professional advice. Listeners of this podcast should conduct their own extensive research before making any decisions in connection with topics discussed in this podcast. She Dreams and Goals LLC is committed to providing content that is safe and appropriate for all ages. However, legal guardians are ultimately responsible for supervising access by any minor under their care to content produced by She Dreams and Goals LLC. She Dreams and Goals LLC does not make any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, She Dreams and Goals LLC shall not incur any liability in connection with this podcast. This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without the written permission of a duly authorized member of She Dreams and Goals LLC. For further information, please visit www.shedreamsandgoals.com.